Health by Design, the podcast where we explore your brilliant biology, current research, and successful traditions to give you the health of your life. If living organisms are composed of inanimate molecules, why does living matter differ so radically from non-living matter, which also consists of inanimate molecules? Most of this podcast so far has discussed physical health for our body, yet there are too many cases of healing that include other stuff that I cannot in good conscience ignore. And so I love this episode. You are going to enjoy hearing from Marissa Lee again. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to have Marissa Lee here again with me. Research has been done in spiritual health in relation to disease. In essence, research shows that it doesn't matter what we've been through if we have hope. Yet, who hopes for what he already has? Hope that is seen is not hope at all. I want to challenge you today to think outside the box. There are an abundance of books on healing through prayer. So we know there's more than we know about our body, but you wouldn't pray if you didn't have hope that prayer would heal. We're not just physical beings, right? But do we act like we know it? I was raised in a secular school system in which God and the amazing design of creation was almost never even mentioned. Ignoring design cannot refute that there is design. So let me give you an example. This extremely brilliant man has shown us that human mitochondria is amazing and that the design allows healing. I could have never come up with this brilliant idea, but can we ignore obvious connections? This brilliant man discovered much about what we can do to repair the mitochondria. Yet even he jumps to a conclusion that doesn't have any bearing to what the science that he's talking about says. Here's a quote from his book, Biochemistry in the Living State. We may now ask if living organisms are composed of molecules that are intrinsically inanimate, why does living matter differ so radically from non-living matter, which also consists of intrinsically inanimate molecules? Why does the living organism appear to be more than the sum of its inanimate parts? You've seen a chart of the elements, right? Everything in nature is made up of these elements, humans included. The table in front of us, right? The chair we're sitting on, the computers we're using, the computer you hold in your hand. Why do people seem to be more than these inanimate objects when we're made of similar objects? similar elements. Honestly, I had not even thought about it like this and think that the brilliance of this man is expressed in the fact that he would even think of this question. He continues, early philosophers would have answered that living organisms are endowed with a mysterious and divine life force. But this doctrine called vitalism is nothing more than superstition, and it has been rejected by modern science. That's it. That's all he says about it. Just that it is a superstition without giving me one piece of evidence to back up this statement, which is so different from the rest of his book. So it is interesting to consider that the ingredients or the chemical elements that make up the human body are inanimate. We are made up of stuff that is not alive. 
what is the difference between us and a table if we're made up of stuff that is inanimate? That is such a good question. And I think that touches on a very fundamental question of what it means to be human. And that question is going to answer our question on what is overall health? What is overall well-being? Because if we don't know what it means to be human, we don't know what it means to be healthy. So I think in the last podcast, we briefly touched upon this, but the human body and the essence of what it means to be human, it's not just a body. It is made up of three different parts. The body is the physical part, and that's where we experience pain. We experience our five senses, touch, taste, smell. The soul is a whole separate part of us. It's kind of like our mind and our heart, which is where we have logic, emotion, we have willpower, we have motivation, we have determination. And then there is a whole nother side of us, and that's the spiritual side of us. And this is a side of us that I think a lot of people kind of break away from. There's been all sorts of different philosophies and cultures that don't integrate that side or almost deny that side exists. But we can't deny it. We know within ourselves that there's something beyond the physical that we inhabit. And I think some people call it the knowing. Maybe they call it your gut. It's the kind of the place that transcends your physical experience. So you might be in a really stressful situation. Maybe you're like in a meeting. It's very stressful. People are yelling at each other. There's a lot of tension. And your body, you can feel your blood pressure rising, your heart pounding, your body's getting into fight or flight mode. It's stressed out. And then suddenly something might kind of turn inside of you and you can feel yourself kind of separating from that experience, maybe transcending it and finding something really funny about that experience. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden you're laughing and your your body is telling you something else. Your body's, your heart's pounding, you know, your blood pressure's going up, but all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? This is actually a funny experience or this is actually ridiculous, you know, or your your body kind of transcends out of some physical experience that you're you're in. That can happen. That's a funny example, but there's- I love that example. Yeah, it's a very relatable example. It is. We've all heard of people that were in the hospital and they have like an out of body experience and they see themselves there or. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or even I think a lot of people talk about this when they fall in love. They see a deeper part of someone else. They feel this deeper connection and they really can't, can't, they can't really explain it. I think a lot of people say, I wasn't attracted to them in the beginning. Um, <laughs> we made each other so angry. But there's some sort of deeper connection. There's a transcendent connection. And I think a lot of maybe chick flicks, you know, other TV shows and movies, they try to capture that. What is that? What is that? layer of us Mm. that we can't put into words we can't understand but we know that we know that we know it exists and i think oprah calls it the knower the knowing so something within us it's like our spirit for some of us who have a faith background that's really the part of us that connects to something divine something beyond us when we look at a beautiful landscape we can logically appreciate it and say wow what beautiful colors what lovely lighting you know but something inside of us just rises up and we just can't help but be in awe or like, you know, some emotions, some, but even deeper than emotion, some feeling of awe and wonder and life just rises within us. And we feel a deep sense of connection and meaning when we look at that beauty. That's the spirit. The spirit is a part of us that connects to other spirits and it connects to the divine. 
Wow. I keep thinking back to what you said, it's separating the heart and the mind from the part that connects to the divine. Because I've always thought that our heart is where our issues, so our issues of the heart are from our heart and our mind, yet that would be separate from the divine, do you think? Ooh, that's a good question. To be honest, I'm not an expert on all of this, <laughs> but I guess what I mean by the heart is that, yes, we have, we have a very natural human aspect to us, you know, a very physical human aspect to us. And I think when we talk about issues of the heart, we often talk about motivation. You know, we talk mm -hmm. about intrinsic or extrinsic motivation, things that deep down we want to maybe desires all of those things are i think part of our soul i guess the way that i define soul is just truly the like a very human essence a very big part of our humanity it's very it, in some ways we can explain it you know it's like well i wanted that because i want to elevate myself and da, 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 da. but you know no matter how much you explain something sometimes the spirit just goes beyond it and actually it's unexplainable yes. so i think the spirit kind of invades logic and then it invades a uh, physical explanation so it's a little bit different and that's kind of my concept of it but i'm no expert i think there's a lot of philosophers and others who kind of dug deeper into those layers. No, but I think it makes sense because now that I'm seeing, like, we know that there is a physical change of the heart and it becomes a heart of flesh with the power of the spirit. So maybe that's the, the heart is more personal. I don't want to say it's more personal because the spirit is very personal as well, but individual maybe is the word. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's in our heart we often feel a little bit out of control you know like i could look at someone i love dearly and they can make me so angry even though i don't want them to make me angry i want them to just always make me feel butterflies and, and even if i'm like that makes me angry but i'm not going to let it make me angry but i could just feel myself getting angry mm -hmm. sometimes it's really hard for us to control our heart our heart is really it's almost like a human instinct but that's you're right like this part of us as a spirit, it's very much beyond us. I think that kind of connection, it's very hard for us to control. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for us to explain. And I think it opens the door to allow something else into our lives mm -hmm. that can either control us in negative or positive ways, but it's a very mm -hmm. delicate and almost ethereal, like different part of us. It's hard to really put into words, but it's very powerful. And it, it creates like, a living stream within us, kind of that vitality concept that makes us different than other species. Yes. And other inanimate objects. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So I just keep thinking about the last episode that we talked about and we ended uh -huh. on hope. Uh -huh. And the hope, it, I even woke up with that and the greatest, what is it? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But I woke up with that the other morning, thinking about our last discussion, how even people with these tendencies towards illness because of what they've been through, those tendencies that could be measured by percentages no longer could be measured by percentages once they had hope. So how does this figure in? Like, do you have research on that? Is that <laughs> obviously you have research on it. We talked about it last week, but I'm just trying to figure where it fits in with the spiritual. Oh yeah. Very good question. 
I think a lot of people have really dug into what is hope. Hope, I believe, really has to come from outside of us. So like we were talking about the soul and the spirit, the soul really is a part of inside of us. It's our motivations, it's our emotions, it's our logic, it's our reasoning. You know, it's very much a thing that we feel we can control, even if we can't, you know, even if it's a, but it's very much a human instinct. It's easily measurable. Psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, all sorts of people have done lots of measurements on the human body and very predictable outcomes can happen when you're faced with different situations like adverse childhood events. Hope is something that I think is very transcendent because it doesn't make sense. It's like there are so many people that have gone through so much adversity and yet they have this determined spirit. I think, for example, of Abraham Lincoln, he failed the bar exam so many times. He failed in so many different aspects of his life. He didn't get good jobs. There is so much that went against him. He was very poor. He had a really difficult marriage, but he had such a deep determination and a deep hope that led him to become one of the greatest leaders of our country. And that's unexplainable. Why, why would a human have that? Like if we actually look at human nature, I mean, that's not normal because of all the adversity one faces, it's quite normal to see someone, you know, result in depression and hole up in their house. And, you know, it would be very normal. In fact, we would really empathize with someone who, who decides they can't contribute to society anymore because of so much adversity. Mm. Yet we see people overcome that with something almost transcendent. I almost feel like hope is where the divine meets the physical concrete <gasps> world. You know, oh, I love that. <laughs> so when we dig into hope, um, I, I don't have a ton of research that I am bringing to the table today, but it's just kind of my own thoughts on this. I think hope stems from being able to answer existential questions that we have. So, you know, that makes sense. That makes sense. dogs, cats, and other species, living species, they might have emotions. They might have a will. They want the ball and they only want the ball, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> and they will not release the ball until you squeak the second ball. Yes. I totally understand. <laughs> Personal experience. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they have a, they have this kind of soul element to them, right? They have some sort of emotion, they have some sort of will, but I don't see dogs kind of sitting out there in the middle of the field, just contemplating the meaning of life, you know, like, what, what is my purpose as a dog? Is it really <laughs> to catch all the balls every day? Does that make a difference in this big world that I live in? You know, like they don't get to ask these questions. But what makes us different as human beings, what makes us human, I would almost argue, is that we do ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And that in, in not only do we ask those questions, but I think fundamentally, whether consciously or subconsciously ask those questions, they fundamentally rule our life, mm -hmm. the answers that we have for those questions. And so when we talk about hope, I'm kind of going pretty deep really quickly. I yeah. think hope is rooted in being able to have good answers to those questions that match reality. Wow. And that really connect with a bigger story that you can understand that you can fit into. So this is not research based. It's just kind of my own reflection, but that's really what I believe hope comes wow. from. Wow. That makes so much sense. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that makes so much sense. Like you have to, those existential questions that the philosophers go on and on and on about without coming to a conclusion. Yes. When you come to a conclusion, you have hope. Yes, <laughs> yeah. because how many philosophers do we know 
have written extensive books and, you know, novels of of thought and really fundamental maybe for some of our philosophy who died of suicide, who really didn't have individual hope for their life. And so, yes, think just thinking about the questions is not enough. Every human thinks about the questions. Where do we find like fundamentally get hope from is really our answers to those questions and being able to grapple with them in a meaningful way. I say that, I think a lot of this comes from my personal reflection, having worked with a lot of people suffering in the worst seasons of their mm -hmm. life, end of life patients. And, and even I've done a lot of work abroad and I've started some medical clinics abroad with people who live in much worse circumstances than we do. Horrible infrastructure, mm -hmm. you know, but looking at some of the differences in how we perceive the world and how we answer some of those questions, I think makes a big difference in in the way that we live our life and the hope that we carry. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think it really is foundational for us. That is so great. Oh, this is more of an evidence for what you have just said. The amazing story of prayer healing a child. Aaron Chus and his wife, their third child, had been diagnosed with a lot of different issues, including complete deafness in one ear and almost complete in the other. She felt strongly, she comes from a place where she's got hope because she has those existential questions answered. That doesn't mean that he's gonna be healed, but she went and brought him to a prayer meeting and he was completely healed, completely able to hear. He still had other wow. issues, but his hearing was completely returned. Wow. It's an amazing story. Yeah. And they admit, you know, that doesn't just because you go to a prayer meeting no. doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be healed, but they had the things in place and God chose to heal them. Anyway, I'll put the link in the show notes if anybody wants to hear this story. Wow. But what is the source of strength that you're saying that the source of strength is knowing the answers to those deep questions that people ask? So it's knowing, does God love me? It's knowing. What is my purpose? Do I even have purpose in this world? Yes. Why am I even here? Where are we going? What's the point of life? You know, what's the point? Are we there yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But where's there? Like, what's the point? What's the point of life? So it's, I think it touches a lot on worldview frameworks like nihilism or, you know, just different frameworks that we have that maybe we don't even realize actually guide our life and guide our decisions. When we look at health, they actually guide the way that we make healthcare decisions. I see that every day in the acute setting, you know, in a hospital setting where patients are making life or death decisions, their background framework for how they see the world really guides those decisions and, and the context of their environment as well. You know, if they have a family, if they have children, if they don't, if they're single and have no connections, you know, that does guide their decisions. But really a lot of those questions are kind of the background hum. I think that eventually kind of shape how they make health decisions and even their fight to keep staying well or to keep staying healthy. Are you willing to fight? You have to have something to be willing to fight for and stay healthy for. Yes. Something, yes. some hope. 
Yeah. Some hope. We're back to hope again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even um, the way that you approach, you know, the value of your life will determine the mm. kind of treatments you're going to get and what rigor of those treatments, what dedication you're going to, like, let's say you need physical therapy for something. If you really don't think it's, you know, it doesn't matter if I walk or not walk. It doesn't matter if I, you know, I, I'm just an essence of a spirit and no one really notices if I'm here or not mm. or whatever. It's going to change the motivation you bring to that. And even what kind of treatments you choose, if you're going to choose a certain medication for quality of life or for, you know, whatever, all of those things really affect your health decisions and ultimately affect your health. And so when we talk about hope and we talk about strength, in oncology, for example, working as a cancer dietitian, one of the first things I talk about with my cancer patients is what is giving you strength that will get you through this journey? Because for cancer, it's so debilitating. It is so discouraging and it's miserable. I mean, you have absolutely no quality of life if you're getting chemo and radiation. It, no human should exist that way. It's really miserable and you lose all sorts of functionality in your body and you're always in torturous suffering. It really does feel like that. And so really for those patients, they I have seen time in and time out, if they don't have a source of strength outside of themselves, this treatment will wear them down to the point where they will lose motivation. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I talk to them about before you even discuss what the next steps of their treatment will look like is what do you find strength in that's outside of yourself and what will get you through this journey? Mm. And it can't be, I just am motivated or I, you know, because you will get so burnt out and discouraged. You'll come to the end of yourself. Mm. And that's when you really need something bigger than yourself to give you hope and strength to get through such a difficult journey, such a difficult, you know, treatment and, mm. and healing process. But I think applying that even just to our regular lives, all of us need to have that kind of motivation just to be motivated to take care of ourselves, just to be motivated to stay healthy. It's not easy to stay healthy. We're constantly fighting toxins and environmental factors and all sorts of things. It's not easy to, to maintain our health and to care for ourselves. And so kind of having that fundament, some of those fundamental questions answered, that's where the spiritual really connects with our physical health in practical ways. And then, you know, down the line, even to end of life is really where the research is. What is some of that research? Yeah. Okay. So you brought up prayer. Yes. <laughs> what we've been seeing is that prayer seems to be a good measurement for hope and for overall well-being as patients are sick. So meaning like if you have hope, you will pray? Well, not exactly. But if you pray, you are tapping into a source of hope that goes beyond maybe the physical. And so when we see people praying, we see that they are fighting for hope. And it's kind of been a good indicator to measure, to measure hope. I, I haven't seen research where they've correlated that directly. It's just mm -hmm. something that I've interpreted out of the research. Okay. But what a lot of research is showing is that spiritual health and spiritual components of our lives directly affect personal patient care. A lot of the research is in end-of-life care, so palliative and hospice care. But even in general, looking at physicians and at patients, um, we've seen national large studies that show that 99% of patients, um, sorry, 94% of patients believe spiritual health is as important as physical health. And then 
An informal survey of physicians show that 99% of physicians believe religious belief can heal. And wow. So, yeah. <laughs> What's crazy to hear that from a physician, right? Mm-hmm. And 75% believe others' prayers can promote healing in their patients. And that's 75% of doctors. Doctors, physicians. That. Yeah. Because we just see that so regularly, you know, in medical care. And I truly think if a physician is not thinking about that aspect of their patient's life and care, they really are missing on total health. Patients believe that as well, because we've seen research that shows that patients in the inpatient setting in a large national survey, 83% of patients wanted their physicians to ask about their spiritual beliefs. And they believe the most acceptable scenarios were in life-threatening illnesses, with serious medical diagnoses, or with the loss of a loved one. And I've personally seen that just in my practice regularly. I've heard people speak of how much they love and respect their doctor for praying with them on the, not that that happens all the time, but that seems to be when they'll say, he's an amazing doctor. He even prayed with me. Oh, yeah. I've heard that a lot. Because it just shows that they see you as a whole person, not just as a body that needs medication thrown at it and treatments thrown at it, Mm -hmm. but they really care about your soul and your spirit. And there's something about being seen as a whole person that really touches us, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, not someone that just cares about you for what you look like and what you can do, Mm -hmm. but someone who really sees you for who you truly are. That's, I think, the essence of what love is, you know? So patients actually have said so in that same study just to back up exactly what you just said (laughs) um patients believe that information around their spiritual beliefs would actually affect the physician's ability to encourage realistic hope for their diagnosis wow 67 percent of the patients in this large national survey said if only my doctor talked to me about my spiritual beliefs and understood it they would then be able to actually give me realistic hope they're tired of doctors giving them unrealistic hope because hope is in context of the spiritual self. So they can't truly understand the whole aspect of hope for these patients unless they understand them beyond just the body. Wow. They also believe, so 66% believe that a physician's understanding of their spiritual belief would give, um, would affect and give them better, better medical advice and actually change their medical treatments as well. Wow. So that just shows patients and physicians recognize this holistic aspect of of a being. They care about the spiritual side of things. And um, I guess one more study to talk about for prayer specifically in an outpatient setting. So that's an ambulatory setting is really a healthy person like you or I might go in because we have eczema on our skin or maybe a wart on our finger or something, you know, that we want them to take a look at, but we're generally very healthy. We're not usually thinking about all of the problems of the world when we're so healthy, you know, we kind of just get caught up in our own lives. But even those patients of a large survey, almost 500 patients were surveyed, 33% wanted their physician to ask about their religious beliefs. So one in every three person wanted their physician to talk to them about that and 20 percent wanted their physician to pray with them in it just in even in the outpatient setting one in every five people wanted someone to pray with them wow 
But then when someone gets to the point where they're dying, so that's the patients that I see regularly in the hospital, this increases to 70% of people who want their care, medical care providers to know their spiritual beliefs. And then 50%. So every other patient that I see who's at the point of end of life dying, they want their healthcare professional to pray with them. Wow. And that doesn't even reflect the number of people who are considered spiritual, you know, or have some sort of religious connection in our country. Yet those people who maybe have no religious beliefs, no spirituality, when they get to end of life, when they're dying, they want someone to be praying with them. Yes. I've seen that. I mean, in life with our friends, right? They, they don't have to have any spiritual beliefs when they're in a challenging situation to need prayer. Right, right. Yeah, just I think even beyond preference, what gets me with this research is that our actual concept of some of these existential questions, or I would even say spiritual questions, are directly related to our morbidity and our mortality. So there's been a robust amount of literature that's come out about this idea of religious struggle and religious struggle can be categorized in three different ways, three different factors that we measure. It has been shown to directly correlate with your risk of dying and your risk of having comorbidities. So these three different factors are one, we can use an acronym to help us remember the three different factors. So LAP. So L is loved. If a patient questions if they're loved by God, so Mm. fundamentally loved, their chance of dying within a two-year span, it was a two-year longitudinal study, increases by 22%. If they don't believe that they're loved. If they just question. If they just question if they're loved by God. So these are kind of God things. So okay, there's a human connection and there's a God connection. These are literally struggles with God. If wow. they even question they're, they're loved by God, this was a two-year longitudinal study. Their chance of dying within that two years increased by 22%. Wow. All other factors controlled. So they right. might have diabetes. Another might have cancer. But controlling the risk for death with all of those, it's still a 22% chance wow. of death. The second factor is a abandonment or abandoned. So if a patient questions if they've been abandoned by God or wondered, has God abandoned me in this? They actually had a 28% increased risk of mortality of death within two years. And then the last factor is P and it's punishment. And this is an interesting thing because yes, There are maybe two players, you know, involved in this spiritual realm. We all have this fundamental Mm -hmm. conception of good versus evil. Mm -hmm. But if someone felt that they were being punished by God for their lack of devotion or sins that they've committed, they had a 16% increased risk of mortality. But if they felt like they were getting punished by Satan or the devil, or if they believed the devil made this happen directly related to their health condition, they had a 19% increase in mortality. So oh my believing goodness. that <laughs> believing that Satan had more power over their lives than God did really even increased their chance of dying by 3%. Wow. So what is the solution? Well, I think religious struggle is a complex, can be a complex answer because everyone has a different concept of, of God and of spirituality. But I think that every no matter what belief system people come from recognizing 
that they need to face those questions, really mm. ask those questions and be honest with themselves about those questions is going to be fundamental to real holistic health. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. And I just can't help but think that the gospel is the answer to all of those questions, right? Do we know God loves us? Do we know? How do we know? How do we know? Yeah. How do we hold on to that when we feel like our whole life is spiraling out of control? When we feel like we are in the pit of suffering? How do we know that we are loved by God, that God is still present with us, and that we are not being punished? that there is a force of good and an intent of good always poured in our direction. Wow. Yeah. I see that's where prayer comes in and how prayer can help with hope because you're going to reach out. You're going to say, God, show me you're real. Yeah. So I think that's why prayer is such an important indicator because no matter what your belief system is, you want prayer when you're dying. Yes. And no matter what your belief system is, you want prayer when you're sick or when you have to see the doctor, which is a sign that something's not exactly right with you. That what is prayer? Prayer is the connection with the divine. It is the direct conversation with God. And in many different religions, there are some barriers to having a connection with God. You have to be a good person. You have to do X, mm. Y, and Z. You have to purify yourself. You might have to go through extraordinary rituals, pay a lot of money to get those rituals done. <laughs> you know, it's there's a lot of barriers to get to God. But when you actually get to the end of life, screw the barriers. <laughs> we want prayer now. Yes. And I think it, like personally, there is only one religion I know that you can go directly to God and there is no barriers to having that conversation with him in prayer. And that is the one true God that has expressed himself as the creator that we learn about in the Bible. He has shown us that he took on the burden of all of those barriers to come to him because we are truly different than, than a divine person, right? We are, we are not the divine. We are not fully spirit. We have this body. We have this soul. We have a lot of warring things within us. There's a reason why there's all these concepts of purification before coming to the divine, because we're very different from the divine. So for us to really have fellowship, to be present with the divine, we really have to be a little different, you know, to get yeah. there. But one, I agree with you that the gospel really is good news because in the gospel we find we don't have to jump through all those hoops because someone else did for us. And it was God himself mm. who came down incarnated himself to choose to go through all those horrible hoops and barriers that are impossible to achieve in order to bring us directly in contact with God and to bring us to the place where we can pray and actually know someone's listening, someone can communicate back to us that we're not abandoned, that we're not unloved, unseen, mm -hmm. punished, unknown. To get to that place, we really need a mediator. And I think that's where a lot of people have that religious struggle because a lot of religions tell us you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You, you deserve being punished. You mm. deserve being unloved. You deserve being neglected, mm. but that's not the story of the gospel. And so that truly, I believe is a foundational answer to these questions of religious struggle, but also I think answers a lot of questions that we have about general existing. Why am I made? What's the purpose of me being here on, on earth? 
what's the purpose of me living a long life? If it's so miserable, if I'm going to be suffering, if no one seems to be kind, if the world seems to be a horrible place, you know, and to be able to answer those questions also requires some bigger answers outside of us. And I think outside of a lot of the philosophy we have. Wow. So make it more simple. What is the gospel? So I want to use the words that God incarnate used when he was on earth. Okay. Because he said, I'm coming, I'm here to bring good news to the broken, to the oppressed, to those who are in chains. He says, I'm here to break free the chains of the oppressed. I'm here to bring justice to those who have been victims of injustice. I'm here to bring sight to those who are blind. I'm here to bring strength and healing to those who are lame i'm here to bring what he said the kingdom of god that's what jesus said he came to bring when he came to the earth the kingdom of god is what i would say a ministry or a kingdom or a reality of reconciliation and redemption and those are really big words that we throw around a lot in a christian community but what that really means is the ability to reverse entropy the ability to reverse evil, the, the ability to use what is evil to actually bring about good. The only power strong enough in this world to do that is something beyond this world. And that's in the form of Jesus. So simply bringing it down to healthcare. When I am sitting with a patient who's about to die, they've chose not just palliative, which is we have no more treatments for you. We have no ability to solve the root cause of your issue. All we can do is alleviate your symptoms and the runway to the end is within sight. That's palliative. Hospice is, the runway is here. Mm. <laughs> like you're, yeah. we are just giving you comfort, 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 and the end is here. For patients like that, a lot of times, there's a lot of an, a huge emotional response for them to choose that kind of care. There no, there's no more fight involved. The end is here, there's nothing we can do. Often I ask them, are you afraid? And I've had patients say yes. And I said, why are you afraid? I don't know what death is like. I don't know what the end is. I don't know what happens after I die. I've had patients just lay there, barely able to speak with tubes coming in and out. And they're not worried about the tubes. They're worried about what's going to happen next because mm -hmm. there's so much uncertainty. Really, at the end of the day, it's the fear of death. And death is the ultimate evil. I mean, it's the ultimate expression of entropy, mm -hmm. death. There's no more life. It's completely elemental, inanimate object. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what happens to ourselves after that when we become dust in the ground, you know, when our corpse decays, like what happens to us? It's frightening. The only answer to that is found in the one who defeated death. And that one is Jesus. It's really interesting, you know, that we're having this episode at the time of our recording, whenever it gets posted, but we're recording this the week after Easter, which is when we celebrate a victory over death. And that's really the only story I know in the world where a divine being overcame death. I think that's the ultimate form of good news to us. That's the ultimate form of gospel is that there is resurrection, that there is new life, that there is the ability to take evil and death and entropy and just the horrors of suffering and pain and turn it into new life and turn it into a promised future and turn it ultimately into hope, a bigger story of just 
our bodies decaying, dying, and getting buried into the ground and becoming one with na Mother Nature again. You know, there's a bigger story to that. And ultimately, I think that is the good news that God gives us that there is a life beyond, and that life is not just a a spirit floating in the essences, but truly a grounded, practical, real connection with the ultimate source of love and presence and goodness kind of flowing from him, which is God himself, and a very practical, tangible presence with him that we can look forward to even after death. Yes. And how reassuring for now that we can see that he would be willing to do that for us. I mean, yes, yes. That I think is the anchor that we can place our hope in. If God himself is willing to come down and experience all of the awfulness of what it means to be human. I mean, we experience that day in and day out, especially when you see people with health conditions. I mean, it is absolute misery to be alive when you think about the numbness you feel in your fingers or the constant chronic pain or the, the fact that your kidneys don't work and your GI system gets backed up and that your body gets bloated and that your skin wrinkles and that you experience pain and death and soreness and all of that in your body day in and day out, right? It's misery. I mean, no one wants to live that way. That's why we're constantly in, in search for better health. That's why we listen to your podcast. <laughs> because we don't want to live that way. We want good quality of life. So ultimately, we are in search of the promise of new life, wholeness, connection, love. So when we talk about health, as I say again, it's not just that physical release of aches and sores, but it's also being known and loved and accepted and belonging and purposeful and contributing. And, you know, all of that is part of health. Knowing that that exists for us, we know that exists for us because we know God was willing to sacrifice so, so much to enter into our suffering, to experience it along with us to take on all of the evil and pain and suffering of our human existence, all of it to the very full extent of it. And especially someone who's never experienced that before because he was perfect. He was divinely God. He never needed to experience that. But for him to condescend to experience that, take that on, ultimately experience the, ex the fullest extent of evil in this world, like betrayal, torture, just, mocking scorning being put down and treated as less than is one of the worst forms of evil you know mm. and that's really what he experienced along with extreme physical suffering mm. to the point where he was unrecognizable as a human and, and still alive but just flesh mutilated to take that on and to ultimately die which we're all afraid of dying to know that he would be willing to do that means that he truly loves us there's really there's something um there's a definition of love that says greater love. No man has seen any greater love than this, that one would give up his life for another. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine a greater expression of love for me than someone willing to give up their life for me and really take something that they were never meant to take for me. That's really what we have in the story of Jesus and in the true story of who God is and who he has been and who he truly is now. So that is really, I think, an anchor for us to anchor our hope in yes. and gives us the ability to then 
have a solid foundation that we can begin to answer some of these other questions if we've never been able to answer them before. Wow, that just gives so much hope. Yeah, really. I think it really, <laughs> really does. I think really at the end of the day, that's why talking about spiritual health is important for us to be able to then address some of our physical health issues because we really need to have a grounded place to have that hope. And, yes. and you know, something that Jesus says is that out of me, there are streams of living water. So it doesn't, it's not just a one-time hope. I mean, sometimes we get hope in like, you won the lottery. Yay. I have money. So maybe my next five years will look great. But that hope is very transient. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says out of him comes streams of living water. And it's a stream that never runs dry. So it's a hope that keeps giving and giving and giving. That's why we can anchor ourselves in that hope. And it doesn't, it will never disappoint us. And it's a place that we can really put our anchor in. It's like a strong rock, a strong refuge, a tower that we can really run to when everything feels like it's falling apart. It really is a, a really solid place to ground ourselves as humans. Oh, I am so excited about this. I've got, I'm starting a list in my mind of who I'm going to share this with because this is so good. Thank you. You know what? It really is good because it's God's message to us of good news. Yes. <laughs> so it's really just good because it is fundamentally absolute truth. Good. <laughs> yes. There's no denying that that is a really fundamentally, really comforting answer, like the source of all comfort for us that we can really, no matter what comes our way, we can ground ourselves in our source of life, our source of health, our source of comfort. Yes. And I think as we lean into the truth of that story for us, we actually find the way to health. And there mm -hmm. might be whoever is listening, you know, there might be a lot of complications to your story, whether it's health complications or maybe relationship complications or life issue complications or whatever. It might seem too much to handle. But the crazy thing is that this source of hope, it provides tangible ways to get through whatever you're facing. And I've experienced that firsthand. And I've also seen patients who've experienced that firsthand, yes. that there is a way that feels peaceful through it all. And it might not be the way that you've imagined it. And it might feel a little bit out of control for you, but it's still a peaceful way through whatever chaos you might be experiencing. That is real hope too. Yes. It's real hope and it's real health. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's real health because like as we say like health is not just the absence of disease but it's the wholeness within ourselves yes oh, i'm so grateful that you're here again today marissa thank you i could do this with you over and over and over <laughs> again on different topics i think yeah i think the application is pretty broad and <laughs> i love reading research on different topics and applying it kind of holistically to these foundational philosophical existential questions and spiritual questions that we have that shape our lives yes. so thank you for having me and thank you so much for letting me share and listening <laughs> <laughs> it's so my pleasure one of my favorite tools for emotional and spiritual health is a sojourner sojourners are leather-bound notebooks that come in different sizes styles and colors they are beautiful useful, and I'm hoping they'll help you as much as they have me. If you've ever been like me and thought, I really need to journal, or wow, that was amazing, I need to remember that, 
and you need to write something down. Sojourner makes following through a pleasure. Use these beautiful leather-bound journals to document life as it happens. You may find as you carry these beautiful journals that you're ready to write down when you get a new idea. You're ready to draw. You're ready to share. The Sojourner I carry has really encouraged me in my journey. When I need reminders of why I'm thankful, when I want to see where God has answered prayers, or write down what I'm feeling, these really, really help. It's a not just for profit business, and it gives to causes that you can be proud to support. So you have one more reason to feel great about carrying your own beautiful, fine quality sojourner. One more thing, no matter how successful we become, we all have a longing unfulfilled. I've heard it said by some that our design seems to have a God-shaped hole that needs filling. And the only thing that can fill that hole is God. It's funny, some of the research that I've seen says that spiritual health improves your quality of life. Well, what does that mean? It makes you a little happier if you're having some challenges? Yes, that's part of it. But spiritual fulfillment or knowing God gives peace that passes understanding. It's the joy that strengthens us to handle when life doesn't go our way. And it's the source of love that helps us to love others better. 